You are listening to The Voice of the Arts, WQED-FM. I'm Jim Cunningham. The Carnegie International approaches just days away. The 58th Carnegie International at the Carnegie Museum of Art. Carnegie Museum of Art. And the associate curator is here, Ryan Inoue. Ryan, welcome. Thank you, Jim. Thanks so much for having me on the show. So many events will be taking place. You've been involved in the creation of this show almost since the very beginning, working with your team and Eric Crosby. But uh, the opening weekend is very special. There are several, you know, we think of art as paintings hanging on the wall, but you've got a lot of things going on that is much more than paintings hanging on the wall, correct? Absolutely. So, you know, the opening reception is an opportunity for people to see the exhibition, but also, um, you know, I think that it's also an opportunity for people to experience, to delve a little bit deeper uh, into seeing the show and also to meet some of the artists, a lot of whom will be present for the opening. So we have a really fantastic lineup of um, other programming that accompany the exhibition, um, mostly performance. So I would say that we have, should I just keep? Please. Yeah? Okay. Sure. So I'll stop you. Uh, okay. Thanks, Jim. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. <laughs> Didn't want to rattle on too, too, too Not long. Not at all. Don't worry about um, it. So I think, you know, one of the most exciting works um, that we have in the show is time-based. So it's an experience that is conceived by the artist named Malcolm Peacock, who is originally from Baltimore. Malcolm is coming to the museum and is convening what he calls a diverse group of black individuals from Pittsburgh, so they're all local, and they will be conceiving of an experience for visitors um, to have one at a time. So people will go to the visitor services desk, they'll register for this, and then they'll be asked to text a number which will go to a phone that a door person has, and when the visitors uh, time is is um, up when their time in the queue is up. They will be greeted by the door person in the lobby and escorted to a undisclosed location in the museum, where they will experience this this work. And so this is a, a really special opportunity on the twenty fourth um, on the, on our opening Saturday to experience this because the the work will run from ten all the way till eight p.m. Uh, to accommodate our, our extended hours for members. Will everybody who wants to participate be able to? How many can you get involved? That is a great question. I do not think that everyone who wants to experience the work will actually get an opportunity. So the work will take place on the 24th, um, but it will also kind of run throughout the duration of the exhibition. So the work is um, will kind of mark... Um, important historical dates in African-American history. So that is sort of how uh, Malcolm has kind of conceived of, of, of the work. So subsequent performances will also or work. People will have the experience to, uh, will have the opportunity to experience the work on November 12th, on January 28th, and April 1st, so the day before the closing of, of, the, of the International. Tell me a little yeah. bit more about Malcolm Peacock. The piece is called The Insistent Desire for and Impossibility of Being. Seems like a lofty title. It is. I want to know more but about actually, Malcolm. But actually, you know, Malcolm's quite interesting because he's, it's actually, I think, a quite 
quite a simple work, actually. We were talking, I was emailing with Malcolm, and I was like, you know, we need to get the title and the medium. So what, you know, how do you describe the work and the kind of duration? Of the work, and Malcolm said, "I don't know the duration. It's gonna, ch it's gonna be really dependent, entirely dependent on the person experiencing the work. And for the medium line, you know, we think of like painting or photography or performance. Malcolm's like, it's not a performance. It is a proposal, and it's a proposal to the museum, to the people of Pittsburgh, and to the public at large. Um, and so, in that way, I think there's a lot of mystery surrounding this work, but actually, it's quite." a simple and hopefully profound interaction that people will have with the group, which is not at all choreographed. So that's why it's not a performance. There's no kind of script. It really is entirely dependent on the, the kind of feel and the conversation that the group members are having, um, both with Malcolm and also with, with each other. And it, I think it's also a proposal to the museum. So Malcolm was thinking about, you know, museums as public institutions and what publics they serve. Malcolm had a conversation with Dana Bishop-Root, who's the, our director of education and public programs, who you have also had on the show, Jim. And um, Dana told Malcolm about this particular program that the education department has for people over 65. So they are granted access to the museum on Wednesdays, um, I think an hour before the, the public opening of the museum. And they're just, you know, allowed to have a bit more space and time to, to wander and to um, move at their own pace, which I think is, you know, really um, a profound offering to, to people of uh, over 65, particularly in this era of COVID, right, in the middle of a pandemic still. And so Malcolm came to the museum, to our curatorial team, after having this conversation with our colleagues, including Dana, and wanted to ask the museum for space to convene a group of, of uh, African-American individuals, of which he um, would like, you know, he and then he proposed to kind of uh, cultivate a, this group to, to um, get, put them in conversation with, with each other. So these individuals didn't necessarily know each other either, but yet they all live in the same city. And Malcolm Peacock, how did you find him in the first place? Oh, wow. Well, I've, I met Malcolm in New Orleans through a mutual colleague of ours, a curator who will also be attending um, the International as a guest. And Malcolm, for a while, has been doing this, these one-on-one -on -one, um, kind of engagements with visitors, these one-on-one -on -one experiences. And so I had the great fortune of experiencing one of these in, in New Orleans and was so moved by it. I immediately came back from that trip and I told Saurabh Mohebi, my colleague and the curator of the 50th Carnegie International, and Saurabh was like, well, let's, let's bring Malcolm for a visit. Let's see what, what Malcolm wants to do. And, you know, from that, Malcolm met many people in the city and our colleagues and came to us with this proposal. Wow. There's so much to talk about here on the opening day alone at 4.30 at the museum, Heinz Gallery B., Performance activation of where does a thought go when it's forgotten? What's it all about? Right. <laughs> great, tell me. Great question, Jim. So, this is a performance by the artist Ali Eyal, who was um, born in Baghdad and 
currently, we, we met in Paris about a year ago. Um, he's also spent time in Beirut. I don't know where he's based now. I couldn't tell you where he's based now. Um, he's an itinerant artist. Um, and he will be doing a, uh, this is a performance, a performance in the galleries next to his work. So it's a, you know, a very special activation that kind of reflects on memories of a piece of land where his family had a farm in, in Iraq outside of Baghdad. Um, and he's doing this through kind of reflections of uh, flora and fauna from this, from this particular place of land. So his installation in the galleries um, comprise of drawings and paintings of different flora and fauna, and they're all on envelopes. So I kind of, you know, think of this gesture as, you know, it's very fitting for an artist, uh, a, a kind of itinerant artist, to be able to like, you know, w what's around? Oh, envelopes. We can we can get envelopes, and we can. This can be the ground on which you know I kind of create work, um, or on which he creates work. So I think you know it's a. I don't also know exactly what, what the what the end performance will be, but he has done um, several lecture performances in gallery spaces before. So this is uh, something we're developing in conversation with him as we speak. And he's mainly a painter. He draws and paints. He draws and paints, yes. Um, but, you know, I think there's, there's definitely a conceptual element to this in, in terms of how the drawings and paintings reference memory of a place, memory of a place that no longer exists or m he may have known under a different name. Um, sure, the land is still there, but I don't, you know, buildings may may or may not still be there. Um, the pl hopefully the plants and animals are still there, or they've come back. You know, but um, the history of the recent history of of you know Iraq is quite a violent and fraught one. Fascinating. Yeah, and you have a concert too on opening day. We do. So this is a work by the artist Christian Yampeta, who is uh, originally from Rwanda, spent some time, he grew up in the Netherlands and is currently based in, in New York. Um, and this will be a musical performance that will take place in the sculpture court. So it'll be an outdoor um, concert, you know, kind of early evening, as the sun's probably, you know, slowly setting. Um, and it, it's, um, Christian is a very gentle person, and I think that this is, he sort of talked about this performance as a way of conjuring different voices and references and um, people that have touched his life, either personally and directly or through their art forms, you know, or their writing. So there are kind of writers, I suspect, that will be referenced, um, musicians, singers people that have been very important to his life and that he commonly returns to in um, really trying moments in time and in his, own, in his own life as well. So I think this is sort of an offering that um, hopefully Pittsburgh will also be able to you know, embrace and, and share in. And if you were able to suggest what it sounds like, what does he sound like? You know, I don't know. <laughs> Musicians always I couldn't hate that. really tell you because <laughs> so Christian's work in the show um, actually it's an installation of drawings uh, with a kind of charcoal medium that that Christian has developed. So um, Christian also thinks I think part of Christian's thinking as an artist is to also think about 
the sonic or sound or music as um, as material, as conceptual material. Um, I suspect there will be some sort of electronic modulation <laughs> of sound, um, and which would also enable Christian to you know to bring all these disparate voices um, together into a kind of single composition. But I you know I don't know. I don't know what it's going to sound like, actually. The new. Yes, exactly. And this is the time to make sure that your membership is in order for the Carnegie Museum of Art because you have the members' reception. Membership has its benefits. For Absolutely. The so there's three hours specifically devoted to, to members on Saturday, September 24th. So I hope that um, you know people would take advantage of that yeah, and, and, and sign up for their membership. And you wander around, look at all the art, and I assume there will be a general convivial frivolity, a fantastic feeling of, of the discovery of new art. Absolutely. There will be a lot of art. <laughs> so there, are, I, there will be over 150 artists in the show, but I do have to say that our curatorial team did not bring all of those artists into the show. So we had the great fortune of working with um, a research collective... Uh, a museum in Santiago, Chile, and um, an artist who also has been um, quietly developing a collection of modern and contemporary art from Iran. And so through these um, kind of conversations with these interlocutors, these people, um, organizations, research collectives, artists, they've also um, brought artists into the show. So I think it's a really beautiful way of thinking about this kind of question of solidarity through art practice, through curatorial practice. Um, it's really something that the show is not only about, but we're hoping, we, we hope, we wanted to enact, you know, in, in the organizing of this exhibition. So there will be artists wandering there around will the be reception. Absolutely, Jim. You may meet one. <laughs> and there's, uh, there are refreshments and music. Sounds ideal. The, it, it's going to be a fantastic night. It'll now, be a fantastic if you want to make sure you are a member, fourmuseums.org is the website. You can Google Carnegie Museum of Art. I'm sure you'd find it. But uh, you want to renew or make sure that you are a member for the members' reception, which starts at 6 o'clock and 3 hours. Sounds like an amazing day. And it's just the beginning. That's just day one. It is just the beginning. So if you can't make the opening, there's plenty of other programming to kind of pull you into the orbit or the universe of the 58th Carnegie International. So we will also have a, um, a program of talks, which we have titled Refractions. So these will bring in different artists and thinkers that have informed the development of the project. And, and they will be um, uh, making you know, presentations and, and talking about their work in, within the context of the international in our theater. So this will run throughout the duration of the exhibition. Um, and then we also have the Carnegie International Film Program. So for this program, we are working with the curator Rasha Salti, who's based between Beirut and Paris, to organize a program in, um, that will run from March 2nd through 11th. And it will kind of provide, the films will provide a kind of historical, more historical context for, for the exhibition, which is really thinking about the geopolitical imprint of the United States. So always to kind of think through, to kind of think about this idea of the international, of course, the exhibition is called the Carnegie International, but to think about what the international might mean 
in 2022 and what countries we're looking at, you know, why we're looking at artists from certain countries, um, what relationships the U.S. has to these these other countries, um, both in the present and also in the past. So the film program will do much to kind of set to kind of uh, flesh out this historical ground. Um, and we're also partnering with Row House Cinema in Lawrenceville to to um, present this this film program. That's a great spot mm-hmm. and beer next door. So Absolutely. You can't go wrong. That should be fun. Now, I want to know a little bit more about you. Where were you born? Where did it start? Oh, well, I am from Sacramento, California. So um, I guess a kid from the suburbs, <laughs> you know. So. But you wound up with the United Arab Emirates. Yes, I you, did. You've been doing art all over the place. You mentioned some of the connections you made, New Orleans for one, Paris. Yeah, so I think, you know, I... I've always had a curiosity for um, what was outside the country. You know, I think I'm just a very curious person, but I think from a very early age, I didn't travel very much internationally. I think I remember um, when I was 18, my parents were like, okay, this is going to be the last family vacation that we'll have before you leave college. Where do you want to go? And I said, somewhere international. And we ended up going to Vancouver. (laughs) <laughs> which is, of Not course, bad. still the West Coast. Nothing against Vancouver, but it's you know still the West Coast of North America. So we didn't go very far, but it was an international trip. It is a great city. <laughs> it is a wonderful city. I do love Vancouver. I've not been back since, but I, I hope to soon. Um, but I, I think I just always had this curiosity for what was um, outside of the country and wanted to reconnect. So that has, I would say, kind of used this idea that, you know, we all need to have a job as an excuse to kind of travel and see the world. And um, I would say, you know, I really have just followed conversations that I've had with people. Um, and that is sort of how I've kind of mapped the, the quote unquote international in my own, my personal and professional life. And from your perspective, what are the absolute musts, the things during the 58th Carnegie International that you've got to do? Because you were involved in some of them very directly. Well, I would say, you know, I think exhibitions have ideas. They have history. They have a lot of things in them. But one of the things that I, one of the kind of elements that I think the 58th Carnegie International really has is feeling and emotion. So I'm I'm hoping that, um, and I think you can get this, from a variety of different places, you know, um, in within the exhibition. So the exhibition spreads, you know, throughout the Carnegie Museum of Art, including some of the spaces that we share with the, the Natural History Museum as well. So um, I would say the Grand Staircase has some really pretty incredible moving pieces there, as well as the Hall of Sculpture, which is, you know, I think always a, a, a space that, visitors from Pittsburgh, as well as our international colleagues, always look to um, when they visit the Carnegie International to see to see what, what's, um, what's there. But I think this particular edition, people will really be in for a treat. And the single project that you had the most involvement in, that was the most, um, you know, the biggest amount of time that you spent putting it together, working with the artist? You know, that's, it's hard to tell because, you know, we're all spread across so many different projects. But I will say, currently, the project that is taking um, up most of my time is, is um, this project I spoke to you about with Malcolm Peacock. Because it's really, 
an experiment. It really is a proposal, and it's something I feel um, very committed to to realizing in concert with Malcolm. And it's a project that really connects with the people of Pittsburgh as well. Um, so it's it's something I'm very much looking forward to people experiencing and. I'm also very much looking forward to experiencing because I don't think anyone... The interesting thing about the, this work is nobody, even Malcolm, nobody really knows um, what the work will be, what the experience will be, and what, what people will take away from it. Must check it out. Sounds great. I didn't want to forget to ask you, too, about your California work. You worked at Red Cat, the very interesting performance space, museum, artist center. It's right on the side of Disney Hall where the LA Philharmonic plays. I think a lot of people don't yet know how cool Red Cat is. Red Cat is amazing. Red Cat is, you know, the kind of downtown gallery and theater space for the California Institute of the Arts. And it is really, truly a, a place of experimentation. And I would say where I really learned about art and how to work with artists. It was my first job um, out of college. I went to UCLA. And um, it was really where I kind of cut my teeth, I would say. The interesting thing about Red Cat is also that Sora, but a different moment in the institution's history, also worked at Red Cat. So it's not where we met, but we kind of have this common, um, yeah, th this, this place in common, this institution in common. I've always uh, admired it because it has the musical component. I went to a piano recital there, which was very far out with a lot of a lot of new music and a theatrical element. If I recall, the pianist was somehow at the end of the piece on the floor as if dead. You know, most unusual things. And everybody was kind of, what is going on here? You know, it's just a very unusual experience. Red Cat, there it is on the side of this famous Gary uh, design international landmark in Los Angeles, California. That's right. You know, a, a funny thing about that is that um, Red Cat was kind of cut out of the parking garage of the Walt Disney Concert Hall. So it was a very late addition. Um, so in the gallery space, you still see the columns that you see in, in the parking garage. Um, but it's such an important space for experimentation and a really interdisciplinary, transdisciplinary space, too. And I think that really informs much of the thinking that Sora brings to the project, that I bring to the project, um, you know, and this kind of overarching vision that, you know, all the arts should be in conversation with one another and are really connected. And visual artists or painters don't just look at painters, but they also look at musicians. And Christian, who makes drawings, is, you know, really thinking about sound and music. And Ali Eyal, who also makes paintings and drawings, is thinking about poetry and, and performance and what it means to, you know, speak in real time to an, to an audience as well. Anything else you want to share about the Carnegie International 58th? I hope you'll return so we can discuss more as the uh, events unfold through the, through the year, through the season. I would love to, Jim. Um, yeah, I think, you know, I'd, last I would just like to say that I hope that, you know, th this I think by far I've heard from other colleagues is the most international edition of the Carnegie International. So I think it's, it's a real opportunity to think about... Um, the world, like who's in our world, um, and to think about it in this really kind of expansive, um, nuanced, and complex, complex manner. Yeah. Brian Inoue, thanks so much for the great work you've done on behalf of the city and the art world, the Carnegie International 58th edition. Fantastic. We can't wait. Thank you, Jim. Thanks for having me on the show.